Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of A Lack, in, a Lack of Certainty. Excuse me there. My name is Caitlin. And I'm Alexis. And, uh, this is gonna be the second episode of this week because, uh, we, we're bad at schedules. We're real bad at schedules. <laughs> yeah, we done messed up. We're gonna have to try and fix it. Alright, from this point forward, this will be this will be the second episode of this week to make up for the fact that there wasn't an episode last week. Uh, we discussed this in the last episode. So, starting this Tuesday, we're gonna try and get back on our normal schedule. Tuesdays, we'll be recording. Hopefully, Tuesday nights, I will be editing. For those of you who don't know, I edit the podcast. <laughs> I just volunteered myself for that nightmare, and it just, it works. So... <laughs> I mean, you know, if you ever need help, I guess I can try and figure it out. But. Uh, it's okay. For those of you who don't know, I had to explain to Alexis the record button for our test episode. I've never messed with recording programs, alright? I thought that you pressed the play button. I didn't realize the giant red button in front of my face was to record, okay? It's okay. I've gotten just, better. You have, you have. Admittedly, things have gotten better. But, um, I guess I just, I was really ambitious whenever I looked at Audacity. I look, it's very pretty, very clean cut, you know, and it took me back to the high school days of, ooh, what does this button do? So. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice program. It does its job. Oh yeah, it does. And, you know, from fiddling with it for the past few episodes and, you know, learning how things work and having to deal with uh, editing multiple songs in our nightmare of finding, te- you know, our theme music. Uh, it's just, it's gotten easier. It works well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so here we are. And for those who don't know, both of, both me and Alexis are on the mend from being sick, so if we sound nasally or we start coughing like we're dead, that's why. Yeah, it's like, I apologize if I sound, you know, like a goose or anything. It's like, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Yeah, Alexis is on medicine. She sounds a whole lot happier than she did about two hours ago when we talked about recording today. Uh, man, she sounded dead earlier. (laughs) You really did. I mean, I took some medicine. I feel a little bit better. Well, that's good. I mean, I I think the worst I've got now is uh, I keep coughing up phlegm. Oh, that's... And, uh, thanks. Uh, it's cute. It's real cute. Yeah, and, I mean, that's attractive. Oh, man, I'm so glad that Robert can't see it. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if we'd record today. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, just some mild congestion, but I think that's also from allergies. Louisiana's in a weird state of weather right now. But... So, uh... How you doing today, Alexis? I think we should start out with that every every episode, just to kind of make it feel more like a conversation. <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, I'm feeling okay. I took some medicine earlier. Apparently, I got some sort of cold, so that sucks, but... <laughs> yeah. It's not... Uh-oh. What? Oh, oh, Dusty just kind of froze for a second. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Like... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> But I think it got everything. It's starting to move again. Oh, mine does that all the time. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, I'm doing okay. I took some medicine earlier. Hopefully, I won't be sick for our next recording. So, how are you doing? 
I'm doing alright. I'm a little congested, a little tired from work, a little excited to talk about a few of the things we have today. It's April Fool's. I'm really happy I haven't been pranked today. Uh, yep. Just stay well, inside your house. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I had to work today, so thank God nobody pranked me today. It was great. Uh, Robert decided, though, to tell me today that he's pregnant, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. He texted me and was like, can you call me, uh, can you call me after you get out of work? I was like, yeah. Made me real mm. nervous. And I get on the phone with him and he gets real serious. I'm like, oh god, we're gonna have a breakup talk. Oh, and in, no. a, in the most serious tone he can, he's like, Caitlin, this is really hard to say. I was like, what's going on? And his voice wavered for a second and I knew it. He was messing with me. And he's like, Caitlin, I'm pregnant. And I was oh. like, Robert, like, I shut hate up. you. <laughs> I, I just go, Robert, shut up. I need to go home. <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> oh, man. And then I, I I pranked myself. I'm trying so hard not to curse right now because I was so mad at myself. I got halfway home, had to turn around and go back into town because I forgot the library was holding a book for me. So, uh... That was fun, but I am now happy to say I am in possession of a brand spanking new copy of Welcome to Night Vale, and I'm I'm ready to crack that baby open tonight. I'm gonna nerd out. <laughs> I didn't know they had books. Is it like is that what the podcast is based on? Oh no 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 no! This is something they did as like an extra thing. Apparently, it's part of the storyline of the show, but like you don't have to read it. But I want to because apparently one of the characters leads the story during during the book. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, apparently it came out, like, last October or November-ish, and I just never got around to reading it, because I think I didn't get into Night Vale until around January. Oh, well, I mean, you're not too far behind then. Exactly, like, I've, I've, I'm all caught up on the episodes, this is the only thing I'm not caught up on, and apparently... By this fall, they're going to be uh, releasing transcripts of all of the episodes in novel form. That's really like, cool. I, I guess know, if right? you don't, I guess if you prefer to like read instead of listen. Yeah. Well, I think we should go ahead and get to you know the actual podcast. Since we've been talking for six minutes about whatever we want, I guess. <laughs> so. I have uh, feels more like a conversation we'll just segue into science real quick <laughs> i know right i was like kick it off alexis go right ahead <laughs> okay so you know in celebration of april fool's day i went and researched a couple uh space hoaxes that i thought were pretty funny they were um ones that have been done like in the past yeah but i thought they were all like kind of quirky so you know yeah um there was one that happened in uh, 1989. There was this, a bunch of people called the British police, like, saying they saw, like, a flying saucer. <laughs> oh, jeez. I know, so the officers, you know, they got dispatched out to, out to a field outside London just to see, you know, like, if there was anything out there, because, I mean, it is a call, so they have to go do it. Exactly. And one of the officers were shocked to see that there was like an actual like a craft that was crash landed in the field (laughs) but what was it what it happened to be was an uh a hot air balloon (laughs) oh jesus of course 
Yes, it was um, an elaborate April Fool's Day prank. It was by this uh, Virgin Group founder, Richard Branson. Like, it was an actual business person who did an April Fool's Day prank. Man, go big or go home. I know, right? It's like the flying saucer. It, it was supposed to look like a UFO, and it was supposed yeah. to land in London's Hyde Park on April 1st, but there was, like, wind changes, so it stopped in the field in Surrey a day before, so everyone, like, had no idea what was going on, and it freaked out the officers, and one of the... He was in it, the founder. <laughs> he was in the hot air balloon along with um, another person who was all dressed up in like a silver outfit so whenever he stepped out of this you know ufo he scared the crap out of the officers who just fled the scene oh that's wonderful i know right so they thought they found like an actual alien Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good job that's great <laughs> there are a couple others um there was one where people thought it was like the end of the world <laughs> oh that happens every six years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. It's like, don't get us started. <laughs> we survived 2012. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're, gonna have, we're gonna have kids, and we're gonna show them that movie and be like, we survived that. And they're gonna be like, oh, no! <laughs> it's like, this was a movie documenting what we went through. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be perfect. We'll have to show it to them on April Fool's, too. <laughs> Definitely. It's gonna be um, so great terrible parents <laughs> <laughs> or the best kind of parents uh-huh there's a fine line there's a fine line <laughs> and it's probably covered in jellyfish so <laughs> that's that's a night veil vale reference though oh, okay i was about to say like i didn't catch that <laughs> yeah the the reference is there's a fine line between weird and beautiful and it's covered in jellyfish all right <laughs> <laughs> just just accept it how it is it, that's night veil vale. Alright, I mean... <laughs> okay. That's just how okay. my is. <laughs> well, here, let me tell my second story so we yeah. can... Yeah, I was about to say, like, hit, hit me with another hoax. <laughs> the second one was um, announced by a radio station called KYW. Um, it was... They said, your worst fears that the world will end are confirmed by astronomers of Franklin Institute, Philadelphia. Like the scientists predict that the world will end at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, and they oh, did it Jesus. the day before April 1st, so it was like them planning to just fool people. Oh jeez, how many people took it seriously? Um, it was this was relatively soon after like the War of the Worlds panic. Do you remember that? Did you remember hearing about it? I remember hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So it caused pretty much about the same panic as that one did. Yeah. So it was pretty widespread. Um, oh, the, the announcement was a publicity stunt uh, thought out by William Castellini. He was a PR agent for the Franklin Institute, and apparently there was a lecture titled How Will the World End? So he wanted to publicize it on April 1st and use this broadcast as, like, sort of a prank, you know? Yeah. But... The broadcast, like, upset a lot of people who thought, like, you know, the world was really going to end. Jesus. Of course. Of course. And it, so many gullible people out there, I don't understand. Well, and, but, yeah, uh, okay. there was a guy at, like, um, 
the Museum of Hoaxes. He was the guy that the people interviewed in this article. His name is Alex Boisi, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's like, even though it might have disturbed some people, the actual amount is kind of hard to believe. He's like, although the media has like the temptation to play it up, you know, try to make the story more spicy, I guess. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, it probably wasn't thousands of people who were scared, but there were people that were upset by it. Yeah, well, that's understandable with the recent shock that had happened, but I still find it humorous that, you know, they were just trying to promote a lecture and decided to prank everyone in the process. Right? Like, the Franklin Institute of Philadelphia. <laughs> like, seriously, you guys? Come on the, now. Like, these are, these are the kind of professors that I had while I was in Scholars. Like, geez. <laughs> yeah, and they say whether or not the prank fooled many people, Boise says that Castellini definitely did get fired. <laughs> As he should. As he I mean, should. If he didn't run this by his bosses and just was like, hey, this will be hilarious, yeah, I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, I mean, if he didn't tell anyone, then yeah, he definitely should be fired considering, like, what was going on at the time. I know. It's like, that was done in poor taste. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you guys hear any background noise, uh, I had turned off my ceiling fan and my little air conditioning unit in my room so that there would be less background noise. Mm-hmm. But my dad's also working on his car because they're they're doing a, uh, a dirt track event tomorrow. And uh, so that might leak in because the walls are rather thin and my air conditioning unit is still hooked up to the window. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I know, and my little brother came in a minute ago to tell me that, like, he was cooking pizza, and he opens my door, and he's like, hey, and he's trying to, like, basically, like, sign language me, telling me that the food was done. I'm like, get out of here, I told you I was recording. (laughs) I swear to God, I need to actually make a copy of that sign language book for you and your brother, that would work out so much better. (laughs) It would, but, like, he was trying to give me, like, signals, telling me, like, he was doing, like, uh, the mouth motion for, like, eating. I was like, stop, I don't care. <laughs> I will get to it later. Man, sign language is beneficial for so many things. Among among them, signing to your sibling while they're recording a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, but something tells me this episode's gonna be a little bit longer than our usual ones because we do have a lot of material and we're, I think we're gonna have fun with this episode. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about some of the stuff that we have coming up later. Yeah, we're already almost 15 minutes in, and we're just now hitting the gaming and tech news. So, take it away, Caitlin. Man, something tells me we're going to be on this episode for a little while, so excuse us if this ends up being a longer episode than than expected. Uh, But keeping with the theme of April Fool's, uh, IGN, I got mine from IGN this week, um decided to compile the the top pranks that were dealt out by uh, by gaming developing gaming developers or publishers or companies for this year. Uh, the gaming community has a great sense of humor, let me tell you. Uh, even when it's not April Fools. So here are just the ones that I spotted that I thought were hilarious. I will link these on the Tumblr page so you guys can see the full versions of them. Oh, I can link my article, too. I didn't even think about it. 
Yeah, uh, anything, by the way, uh, we'll say this on just about every episode, any article that we mention on here, any show or book or media thing that we reference in our episodes, after, uh, as soon as we post the episode, we start working on linking them and posting them on our Tumblr page. That is the hub where you will find all of the stuff that we're talking about. Any articles, any shows, any music, any books, mm-hmm. that'll be the place to find it. Yeah. So, just letting you guys know. Just a little FYI. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, find us a lack of certainty. Probably the best way to find it would just a lack of certainty with the spaces in it. And just look for the one where it's the picture, the same picture that's on here. But, uh, yeah, gaming and tech news. Great humor they've got. Um, the announcements they had was, uh, one of them was World, World of Warcraft decided to announce the World of Doge. <laughs> Where it was just a big picture of the Doge meme, done in some different art style, broadcast across a beautiful sky and landscape scene. It was, it was gorgeous, let me tell you. Oh my god. Yeah, they were, they were saying it was going to be a, a new DLC or something like that. And then uh, Deus Ex uh, announced there was going to be a major art change in their games, and everything was going to be pixelized. Like, weird, geometrical, if you've ever played the game. Um, remember that star game I showed you a while? That star game I showed you a while back on my phone? where it was the little fox chasing the stars. Mm-hmm. That art style. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, hold on. It's Star's Path. For those of you who don't know what game I'm talking about, it's Star's Path. I don't know if it's on iPhone. It should be. Just type it into either the App Store or the Android Store, and you'll know which art style I'm talking about. It's hilarious. Um, Dark Souls joked around saying they were gonna put out the game, or, um, what was it? They were going to put out a VHS uh, of, like, I guess the cutscenes. Yeah, and then StarCraft Two announced they were putting out a new game where you were going to be the balance manager, basically a gaming team manager, and micromanage it rather than actually play StarCraft. Uh, what in the world? <laughs> yep. It, it looked so legit, it looked, it was hilarious. You you knew it was a joke, but looking at it, they, they detailed it really well. So it's just like, like they is had this the a joke case. or not? <laughs> no, they put, like, a game case, like, front and back of the game case, like, pictures of it, and they did it, like, down to the last detail, and it was beautiful. And then, uh, the last one, which, it isn't as funny, but I thought it was cute, uh, the game Life is Strange they had recently released a, uh, a vinyl copy of the soundtrack and they announced today they were releasing a mixtape version on cassette. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay. It's like, I'm gonna think... have to go buy a, a cassette player again. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't know how many people actually have cassette players and how available they are nowadays. So... <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. It's like, uh, it's like I, everything's I, on CD or, like, you know, MP3. That's okay. The The Deadpool movie page posted earlier, I saw this while you were prepping for the, for the recording, mm-hmm. uh, the Deadpool movie page decided to advertise that they were releasing the Deadpool movie 
on VHS and Laserdisc. No way. Yep. And I <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it was their April Fools joke. Mhm. But I I saw it and I giggled a little. I was like, "Oh." I mean, with Deadpool, though, you never know. Like, (laughs) we guess it's a joke. You really don't. And someone was joking in the comments saying, uh, man, I can't wait to get it in 50 different floppy disk forms. (laughs) You know, get it divvied up onto 50 floppy disks and have to Mm. shove them into your old PC. (laughs) How many towers do you think still have, like, a floppy disk? Oh, man, not many. Like, I don't think many. Not a lot of the newer ones, anyway. No. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're few and far between at this point. You probably go on eBay and have to buy one for, like, a whole bunch of money, because it's, like, vintage. <laughs> I don't even know. But, uh, I think that kind of wraps up the gaming news. I kind of kept mine brief, because I didn't read a whole lot into uh, each one. But I decided to jot down each one that I thought was pretty funny. I liked I the Dogue one. That was hilarious. Yeah, my favorite one is between the, the StarCraft II balance manager and the World of Warcraft Doge. Yeah. <laughs> I liked those two. Those were pretty funny. Oh, they're great. But, uh, so for our main discussion, uh, we kind of have a hard time, like, wrapping it up into one sentence that, that makes sense kind of flopped it back and forth between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, basically saying that, um, it, this is just a generalization, and we're about to delve into it, is that a lot of original content, and I know we kind of flip-flopped with, with how we define original content in the last episode, but um, for, the, for the sake of this discussion, we're talking about content that either gets remade or that is in comparison to other content in a genre. Um, that they tend to have richer uh, culture, de- cultural details, basically. And this, this became a, a big discussion between me and Alexis because, uh, you know, recently there have been a lot of live-action remakes that have been made of our favorite shows. Attack on Titan live-action film that came out not too long ago, the Avatar one that was such a travesty, and uh, it really became a topic of discussion because one of our favorite animes ever, Full Metal Alchemist, is getting a live-action remake, and we're starting to feel a little bit cheated with the quality that's coming out. Yeah, the just the casting that they're doing for the actors, I just don't feel like it's going to represent the anime very well. No. And, uh, something that, that we talked about at length was that, um, Attack on Titan, its culture, if you look for it, the names, the, uh, the style of dress, uh, the structure of the military, like, just the way things are laid out in the show indicate that it's mostly European, that it's, you know, a lot of German influence, a lot of French influence, English influence. Um, I mean, you can basically tell that by their names, like Aaron Jaeger, that sounds German, like John Kirstein, I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of the names are very, very European. Mm -hmm. And then the entire 
cast for the for the movie for the live action movie was Japanese, when in reality, Alexis, tell us how many Japanese people were in the show. One that we know of, which is Mikasa <laughs> Ackerman, and she's half. So <laughs> exactly. So. It felt like it was kind of robbing the culture out of the show, even though it is Japanese-made. Uh, the creators of both the manga and the anime, the light novels... I'm not sure if Attack on Titan has light novels. I think it's just in manga. Just the manga? Mm-hmm. I just I, I know a lot of uh, mangas end up branching out to light novels eventually. Uh, but throughout the continuous canon you know, pieces of the show... Or of the fandom, canon mm-hmm. meaning you know the you know original content um, that it was based off of. A lot gets lost in translation whenever things get brought into the live action scheme of things. So it just it feels like a cheat. It feels like a really big cheat. Yeah, because you expect it to you know pretty much be like the anime, but you're gonna have it you know with actual people. And with different, like, really cool CGI effects. And I was super looking forward to it because the little teaser trailers they would do, the Titans looked amazing. But then you see, like, the casting that they did, and it just doesn't seem very fair. Like, I don't know if maybe it's just because the production company didn't have enough money to hire different actors out of, like, their their race. I don't know. But it just didn't... Like, it just didn't seem fair, you know? Well, even even if you look at how the set looks in the Mm -hmm. Attack on Titan trailers, it doesn't look like a European setting. It looks like they they made it very Asian. Yeah, it kind of looks like a feudal Japanese kind of housing, even though, you know, the architecture in the anime looks more European, like the way they're built. In fact, whenever whenever they were illustrating the manga, uh, it's been revealed that a lot of the you know, I don't even know if there's a name for the town that they live in, basically, but the whole walled-in area that they live in is, the architecture is based off of a real place in Germany. Mm-hmm. So... I've seen pictures of that. Exactly, and it looks identical. But, um, I mean, that carries over with Avatar as well. I know that you, you rage about that more than I do. Oh my god, I loved the Avatar The Last Airbender series, and even though it's not, like, considered an actual anime because it's, like, American-made, so I guess it would be more of a cartoon, it still has that same style. Exactly. But in the live-action movie they made, oh my god, it was so bad. (laughs) It was whitewashed completely. Oh god. And, like, even if they did have different actors of, like, a different race, it was just so badly cast like casted like the um like for Zuko one of the Fire Nation people mm-hmm. their their nation they look more like you know the Asian just like their facial features yeah. but the guy they casted for him was like of I don't know what race he was but like he had darker skin and he had darker eyes and it just was like what the heck people <laughs> yeah and for for an anime like a show like Avatar, mm-hmm. uh, which bases a lot of its stuff off of cultural things. They've compiled from different cultures, different martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen people sit there and do comparisons of the clothing styles, the uh, the you know 
the towns, the architecture, the fighting styles, uh, and it's a very culturally diverse show, and it, it's, it, I feel like it's wrong for them to short sell it in the, in the live action film. Yeah, and the way, like, I feel like I might have been able to forgive the casting, but the story was just as terrible. Like, they did not write it well, it didn't translate well into a two-hour movie either. No. I was just super disappointed because I love Avatar. Like, I was a very huge fan of it whenever it came out, like, you know, weekly on TV. And then the movie was just so disappointing. I can I can openly admit that... I didn't keep track of Avatar as well as I had hoped I would whenever I watched it, and that whenever I heard how terrible the movie was, I I just would not watch it. And I caught it one time on TV, and I think I saw maybe ten minutes of it and shut it off. I was that disappointed. I mean, even within the fandom, like, people talk about it online, and everyone was just as disappointed. Like, exactly. any kind of... If you ask any fan, they're just like, no, we don't talk about that movie. It yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> it's like the taboo on, on internet forums. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the reason why I, I really wanted to talk about it is because, you know, Alexis is also a huge fan of Full Metal Alchemist, but th- this show really, really speaks to me in volumes to the point where people are going to, you know, attack me no matter what I get put on my body, but, uh, I have, I have a Full Metal Alchemist tattoo on my back. It was my first ever tattoo, and I am damn proud of it. You know, the show is amazing, it has amazing characters, it owns its flaws, and it has brilliant character development. You know, I'm, I'm gonna say, you know, and this is a cliche thing to say, I'm more towards Brotherhood than the original one. But I just feel like Brotherhood was better done. Mm-hmm. So of course, after years of rewatching it and rewatching it and loving it even more after every rewatch, I saw this week the announcement for Full Metal Alchemist live action, and I was so excited because I have seen the uh, side story movies, the two side story movies they did, mm-hmm. and those were well done, even though they were side stories. Yeah, like, I I watched them, too, and I really liked them. Exactly. But, uh, they showed, they, they've only announced one actor, and it was for Edward, and you guessed it, he's Japanese as hell. <laughs> it's I'm so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Full Metal Alchemist takes place in a fictional universe, in a fictional country... He's from Amestris, and his lineage is from Xerxes. That's why he has blonde hair and golden eyes. But if you look at the comparison of cultures, he's very European. Mm-hmm. He's blonde and, and gold eyes. He's... Oh, my gosh. There's not a hint of Asian in that man, I'm pro- I, I promise you. No, neither in his father or his brother or his mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. You can look at their whole family and be like, yep, they're European as hell. Mm-hmm. Now, if they if they cast someone Asian, it would probably be Mustang or Hughes. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. 
Or even or, Ling. Um, or Ling. That would they, be understandable. They, they're Asian as hell. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> Ling, the whole gang that comes from Shang Mei, and Lanfan, and Fu, like, cast them. Cast them Japanese. Mm-hmm. But, like, it would make sense. But Edward, leave Edward alone. Oh. It's just like, that doesn't make any sense to me. He looks nothing like Edward. Exactly. And I, I was so hoping whenever I saw the announcement that they were going to blow this out of the water, that it was going to be amazing. And, you know, I want to see what it would, how they're going to translate the alchemy into real life. Because, you know, they, they like, move stones. Not like picking them up. or They change the shape of things altogether. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's such a cool show, and I was I was really excited the moment I saw the announcement. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be really cool in live action." Yeah, because you want to see like all the different effects. It's like, how are they gonna translate this into like a live action movie? And when I first saw it, I hadn't read too much into it, and that's when I brought it up to Caitlin. I was like, "Oh my gosh, have you seen this?" And she yeah. was like, "Yeah, but have you seen the casting for it?" And I was like, "Oh God, what exactly. did they do?" <laughs> all you gotta do. Is- you know, if, if you're having any doubts about what we're saying right now, get on Google right now and type in Edward Elric. Edward spelled just like Edward. E-L-R-I-C. Look at a picture of what he looks like in the show. Then go type in Full Metal Alchemist movie and look at who they cast for Edward Elric. And it'll make sense to you. Yeah, it's like we're not ranting, just, you know just to do it or to be like oh look at me where it's there's a reason okay <laughs> yeah and it's just it, it's just it gets really frustrating at times because these are these are things that we've fallen in love with for years and have had huge influences on so many people like people can say all they want about how like you know it's fiction you know get over it but these are these are the stories that have stayed with us for years and to see someone you know not take the, the necessary time and thought, you know, to make to do it right. right. Yeah, to do it right, at least for the people who, you know, who love it the most. It hurts. It hurts to see it. Yeah, it just feels like you know they're like, oh, we'll do a live action movie and it'll get a whole bunch of plubis- uh, publicity and we'll just make a whole bunch of money on it, and then it's like they don't even care to cast it well or to write it well. I mean, I, I hope the movie is okay, but it's just, I don't know if I'll watch it. I mean, I'm probably going to watch it no matter what, because I'm such a big fan of Full Metal. Yeah. But, like, I'm afraid that, and I was just talking about this with a friend the other night, uh, my friend Dan, and, you know, we we were talking, this is before I found out about, about the, uh, live action film we were talking about how you know you watch these things over and over and you go through these journeys with this person mm-hmm. and then you come to the end of it and you kind of have that hollow feeling and you want there to be more you want to continue that adventure with them and uh you, you get that when you watch a good show or when you read a good book and there was a quote that was brought up that when you come to the end of a fictional work you should, if it's good, you should feel like you've lost a friend in the process when when it ends. Yeah. And and that's perfect. But, you know, I was kind of hoping that eventually with the popularity of the show that they would eventually bring something back, you know? 
that we would get something else. So whenever they brought out, you know, the live-action movie, I was like, oh, thank God. But then, you know, you see how they're probably going to follow down this path. They're probably going to ruin it for any future content content that could be made for the show. Yeah. I'm... I know, I'm just... I hope, like, before they start filming the live-action movie, they'll hear how the fans are reacting, and maybe they'll recast, you know? I guess we'll just have to make sure that they know, like, hey, we're not okay with this. Exactly, like, I mean, it's nothing against the guy that they cast. I'm sure that he's a great actor. Yeah, Yeah, like, I'm sure that he's well-qualified and everything, and that he's a good actor, and, you know, it would be pleasant to see him in another role, but I don't think Edward's the right role for him. It would be like, I don't know, it would be like trying to cast some Joe Schmo who just walked into Funimation as the voice actor for Ed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but no one could have done Ed better than Vic Mignogna did. He did an awesome job. I really like him as a voice actor. Exactly. And my thing is, when you when you get it right, you get it right. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way to do it. And that's, that's just how I stand with it. When they're when they got it right with Vic, I think that's one reason why Full Metal got so popular as the anime, was because the characters were cast so well with the voice cast when it came to America. Yeah, and like we said with um, the actor, he might not be the right for Ed, but he could be recast as a different character because there's plenty more that I'm sure he would like suit better and be very good at. Exactly, like, the cast for Full Metal is so expansive, I'm sure that they could have found something for him elsewhere, but I just don't think he's the right Edward. Yeah. But, uh, moving on, since we're gonna rant forever about Full Metal, uh... I know, it's gonna be like an hour long of us just being <coughs> like, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, talking about other, other, um, great original content that was rich in culture... Uh, I know that there were no <coughs> there weren't any remakes for Miyazaki's works, but I just I really wanted to talk about how great and detailed it can be, and I like to compare it uh, to Disney's works because both both studios, even before they were partnered together, um, Miyazaki's studios, uh, you know, Studio Ghibli, has been praised so much for being so detailed with the Japanese culture to the point where even when it was brought to America, um, there are cultural cues still there that American audiences wouldn't get, but it's there for the posterity's sake of the Japanese audience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Disney's been accused of not doing it enough, but, you know, I, I've read so many things where people try and tear down Disney, but when you really nitpick it, they know their stuff. They know their historical stuff. Like, down to the agriculture... Not agriculture, what am I saying? The, archite- <laughs> the architecture. I swear, my brain is somewhere else right now. It's like, I'm you're so okay. sorry. Keep going. <laughs> we can like, edit down it out. <laughs> down to the architecture, the, uh, the hairstyles clothing styles, you know, they try and stay as accurate as possible while still maintaining that kid-friendly and fun aspect to their movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know Alexis brought up a good point about, uh, Princess and the Frog earlier while we were on the phone. Yeah, with the movie, they, it's based in New Orleans, 
I do you remember the time period? Like I want to say it was in like the 20s or 30s. It was like the flapper period. Yeah. And I think they really represented like the culture of New Orleans really well cuz we're both from Louisiana. Yeah. So but um I think that they did a really good job and they did touch on where the main character Tiana is trying to um, buy this warehouse so that she can start her own restaurant mm-hmm. but she works so so hard as like a waitress she's working like two or three jobs and she puts a down payment on this place and is super excited about it and then the people that she paid told her that she can't have the restaurant anymore that they sold it to a wealthy gentleman and she was like you can't do that and they're like well with as a woman in your position you know, maybe you're better off where you're at now. Exactly. And I feel like Disney was, while trying to keep it kid-friendly, was also touching on, like, the racial part of it and her being a woman and being from, like, a poor family. You know, they were trying to show that in a way that wouldn't ruin, you know, the movie. Exactly. Yeah, they were trying to at least portray it in a way that the older audiences would catch on to it, but not enough so that kids would would be shocked by it, kind of. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, Disney did a pretty, pretty good job of it. They keep a lot of, you know, hints about Louisiana culture in there, and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Like, the jazz music, the Zydeco music, you know, the difference... The different accents, you know, mm-hmm. you notice there are different accents throughout the movie, and there are so many different accents in Louisiana. I know they went from like Southern to Cajun, you know. <laughs> they went to like Creole. They went to French Cajun. Like, oh my gosh, it was great. My favorite little uh, character in that is the little lightning bug. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> oh, he reminds me of my mom and Popo Delcom. How they mm-hmm. uh, well before my Popo Delcom died, but um, both of them would switch in and out between French and English. Mm-hmm. You know how you know how older folks do that in Southern Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It, it, <laughs> it made my heart so happy whenever I saw that in the movie. <coughs> Got that phlegm going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's fine, we'll get through it. It's fine. But, uh, the last, the last kind of cross, you know, remake that we wanted to talk about, which is also going to be one of our recommendations for the week, I think this is a good in-between segue, um, V for Vendetta. Anyone who's, uh, you know, seen it or read it, uh, will kind of know where we're coming from on this one. Be honest, I saw it before I ever read it. And I think that's the same how you did it. Yeah, like I hadn't read the comic before, but my family, like I've watched it when I was little and I really liked the movie. And then I think you got the comic and we both read it and it's like, wow, this is like two totally different works. <laughs> exactly. Like they try and keep true to the uh, original works, but. Uh, it gets a little watered down. Like, I mean, it's not a whole lot, but it does... It's There's differences that you see. Yeah, and I think the main one that bothered me, and I, I've preached and preached and preached to Alexis about this one. <laughs> you know it's coming, Alexis. Mm-hmm. 
Go for uh, it. Okay, so the relationship between V and Evie in the comic book is completely platonic. And I can accept the fact that there's an age difference that they changed from the book to the movie. Because in the book, she's actually, like, what, 15 or 16 when it happens? Yeah, like, she starts out being really young. Exactly. And by the time she's finished with the whole ordeal, she's, like, almost an adult. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's just, it's crazy to me, you know, well, when they transferred it over to the movie, she's obviously a little older. She's in her mid-twenties, late-twenties-ish. Like, she's still, she's still pretty young, but she isn't as severely young as she is in the book. Um, but the main problem I had was that, and they, they share the same beginning moment, but the outcome of it is different. There's a moment when um, she questions uh, V why he never makes a move on her. You know, she's a fairly attractive younger woman. You know, why he, you know, he doesn't feel anything for her if there's any attraction there. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he makes it very clear, you know, I'm not trying to be a person to you. You know, I'm not trying to be a person to anyone at this point. I know I'm going to die in this endeavor. I am merely an idea. You know, behind this mask is an idea. And, uh, you can't fall in love with an idea. You can't fall in love with an idea. You can only fall in love with a person. And to fall in love with an idea is, is poisonous, basically, is what he's trying to say. Is that it's in, it's the wrong thing in this situation. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, they have her fall in love with V. Yep. And there's this cringe-worthy moment if you've read the comics and then you try and watch the movie again. Uh, she kisses him and kisses his mask over and over whenever he whenever he's injured. Mm-hmm. And you know, without trying to spoil anything. And it's just, it's sickening, because she, she, rom- they romanticize it so much that she was in love with V. Which yeah, she it's like they were trying to bring more of, like, the romantic aspect to the movie. I'm I guessing maybe to help it, like, become copies. more popular. Yeah, just to sell more. But I just, I didn't, after I read the comic, I was just like, oh, that's weird. Exactly. <laughs> Why would they do that? My thing is that V for Vendetta was not meant to be romantic. It was not meant, you know, to to make you feel good or anything like you know. It wasn't mm-hmm. meant to be fluffy in any sense of the word. Um, in fact, there's a. It, I ended up getting the uh, cla- you know the compiled work of it uh, at most bookstores. It sells with the mask, but I found mine at Goodwill. So I did not get the mask, I just got the book. Um, <laughs> but there's a interview in the front of it where the one of the writers talks about uh, coming up with the idea for V for Vendetta and then also the process of going through it. And he talks about how, you know, when you flip on the news and there's something controversial, it makes you uncomfortable. You know, whenever you find out that something something's wrong with the world. Yeah, it's happened without your knowledge, basically. Exactly, and you feel uncomfortable, and you feel hurt, you know, you feel strange about it. 
it's like the first time you find out that politics is not fair, you know? Mm -hmm. You feel lied to. And that's what V for Vendetta is supposed to do. It's not supposed to make you feel comfortable. If you read it and you feel uncomfortable because it feels a little too familiar, then you're reading it the right way. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a political commentary, not like a romantic story, you know? Exactly, and I think that's what hurt the most whenever I whenever I went back and watched the movie after reading it. I mm-hmm. felt lied to because I had watched the movie first and got the wrong story. So, that's our book recommendation. Read the comic first, if you haven't <laughs> seen the movie yet, and then go watch the movie. Exactly. <laughs> like, we're not knocking the movie. The movie is still oh, a mm-hmm. great piece of work. And, uh, fun fact, the guy who plays V in that one also voices Optimus Prime. He's also the guy who plays Agent Smith in The Matrix. He plays Elrond in Lord of the Rings, like... And plus, Evie is, um... Oh my god. Her name slipped my mind. Oh, I She's also in Star Wars. Yeah, she played, uh, not, not Princess Leia. It was Padawan. No, no Padme. Oh, oh god, Padme. Oh god, it's been so long since I've seen the original Star Wars movies. Natalie I feel like slapping Portman? Yes, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. That's what it is. Oh god, I want to slap myself for saying that. Pout. God, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh god, my geek cred <laughs> just went down the drain. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, my street cred just went away. But V for Vendetta was. It's like, uh, like we were trying to say, like the actors in it and everything, it's a really, really good movie and you should watch it. We were just trying to give you a comparison between it and the comic and just showing you like the remake of this work was done in a different way that we kind of found a little bit cheating, but exactly. the movie is still good in its own way. Exactly. The movie in no way is lessened by the comparison of its uh, you know, its source content, but at the same time the source content is seemingly superior in this case because it it does it stayed true to what it was exactly basically. it stayed true to the themes it stayed true to the issues while the movie decided to stray from those issues to try and sell more copies mm-hmm. try to push a romance that wasn't there in the first place exactly uh, by the way, for those of you wanting to find it, V for Vendetta was written by Alan Moore and David Lloyd with the help of Steve Whitaker and, I don't know if I'm saying this right, uh, Sioban Dodds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that out there and pretend that that was the right way to pronounce it. <laughs> well, I mean, if, when they look it up, they'll understand. I know, right? Uh, for those looking for a synopsis and don't know a clue about what we just talked about, V for Vendetta is a political story, uh, both in comic book form and in movie format. If you don't have time for the comic book, the movie is a good way to get the synopsis of it. But if you're more interested in the details, the comic book is great. It's a quick read. Not that not that long. And the mm-hmm. artwork is beautiful. Um, it is about a renegade named uh, V. That That's all he's known as, is the letter V. And, uh, he goes on a tirade to try and take down a uh, futuristic version of the, politi- uh, the, you know, the government in Great Britain, which, gosh, what, what would be the right word for that type of government that's in the book? It's like, um, 
Almost like a dictatorship. Yeah, that would be the right word for it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was trying to find, find the right word. I wasn't sure if that was the right one. But, um, and this girl, Evie, ends up in the crossfire. She ends up bumping into V one night and gets rescued. And ends up, uh, being held captive for a while. And yeah, she's learning. just... Huh? I was just saying, like, she's just thrown slap in the middle of this entire, like, plot, you know? Exactly. And she, she kind of ends up as passenger to this entire plot that unfolds over the next two years. And it completely changes and destroys her way of thinking about everything that's gone on. And she ends up trying to work with V once she knows what's going on. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful comparison of how destructive it can get if we just let things happen the way they will. Yeah, it's a really good story, so everyone should definitely check it out. I would greatly recommend it. It's been a very, like, a favorite of mine, even before I read the comics. Exactly. And, uh, even last year when, uh, when uh, the 5th of November rolled around, me and Alexis sat down and we watched the movie again together, just in mm-hmm. celebration. Uh, they do talk about the significance of the 5th of November, so you may want to pay attention. If you want, if you, if you have a hard time keeping track of that throughout the movie, go look it up. Um, it's also known as Guy Fawkes Day. So, that's a cool piece of history, if you want to check that out before getting into V for Vendetta. I actually had to... Um kind of explain what Guy Fawkes was to my boyfriend Drew because we were watching Sherlock and that little bit in there where it's about like the bonfire night basically. Yeah. I had to give him a little bit of information about that because he was like, what the heck is bonfire night? Who's Guy Uh Fawkes? (laughs) Oh gosh, give him a history lesson. That's what I did. And then he was like, oh, and he knew like a little bit about Guy Fawkes, him being like a revolutionary and all that, but... I was just like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Let me learn you a thing. Remember, remember the 5th of November. But, uh... Alright, on to our media recommendation. The one we rented about for, you know, about 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly, you guys already kind of know what we're talking about. But, uh... This, this week it is... I don't know, we kind of... We, we've been trying to mix in popular media in with some of our favorites that are a little less well-known. But this mm-hmm. week we kind of just went went for ones that are already pretty well-known that we would just like more people to know about. Uh, this week it's Full Metal Alchemist. Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> like, uh, but we're like, actually recommending the first Full Metal Alchemist anime that was made, and then Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood that was made after it. And to, uh, to explain the difference, uh, whenever they were making the first run, just titled Full Metal Alchemist, um, it was in 2003, and they were still in the process of writing the books that went along with it. And there came a point where, you know, the Full Metal Alchemist anime got really, really popular, and, uh, they were they were releasing episodes faster than source material could be made, and there came a point where they ran out of books to base it off of, and they were just like, "Well, we can't stop production. <laughs> we gotta keep going. People are gonna get mad." So they just kind of wrote whatever the hell they wanted. Um, 
Yeah, they just kind of went with whatever came to mind. They're like, yeah, this will make sense. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. They they kind of tried to make... The, what they did, basically, was they made a prediction about what was going to happen at the end of Full Metal Alchemist. And then they made the show out of that. So... <laughs> imagine the screenwriters not knowing the end of, of your favorite show. And they just kind of pick a fan theory offline... And that's the and end of the show. <laughs> they just run with it. <laughs> they just run with it. So that's basically what happened with the original Full Metal Alchemist run. Well, when when the anime finished, and then soon after the books finished, a lot of people realized there's a huge difference here between what, yeah. what the book writers wanted and what the anime writers wanted. Yeah, the anime writers were like, we were so wrong. <laughs> yep. And because the anime had become so popular and had become, you know, really, really big, they decided they were going to try and do a reboot of the series, and they brought on almost the entire original vocal cast, both from the Japanese cast and the American cast, and did a full remake of the anime entitled it Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And Brotherhood follows the books almost identically. It is so, so good. Exactly. I so, love that anime. The only reason why I would recommend watching the original Full Metal Alchemist first is because if you get to if you watch Brotherhood first, you're gonna notice that the first ten episodes or so mm-hmm. are really, really fast paced. There's a lot of information thrown at you, a lot of things happen quickly. And you kind of don't know what's going on. And the reason why that is, is because when when Brotherhood came out, they knew at what point the original anime had split from the source material. Mm-hmm. So they compressed everything prior to the split as much as they could and crammed it into the beginning of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Because they had assumed that everyone had already seen the original one, so they were trying to get past all the material that everybody already knew and get to the part where the books picked up. And that's kind of silly to me because it's like, what happens with people that, like, maybe they'll look up Full Metal Alchemist and just watch Brotherhood like I did. I had no idea there was even, like, a just a Full Metal Alchemist until Caitlin told me about it. Because I just yeah. watched Brotherhood on, like, um, on Adult Swim. Like, their anime night they have. Yeah. And I was just like, like her, she said, there's a whole bunch of information thrown at you at once, and you're just kind of like, okay, you just have to roll with it. If you don't, you just kind of get lost. Exactly, and that's that's the only reason why I would recommend go watch the original one first. Otherwise, when you get to Brotherhood, you're, those first ten episodes are going to be really confusing, they're going to be really emotional, and you're not going to know what just happened to your feels. You're just going to be like, oh gosh. And at the same time, you're not going to know how sad to feel because you haven't had a whole lot of time to bond with characters that are lost or you know, situations that were kind of shortened. So I would recommend go back and watch at least the beginning half of Full Metal Alchemist. Because, it, like the original run, the 2003 run, because that way you get to you get to actually fully experience these harder scenarios that happen at the beginning of Full Metal Alchemist. 
this brotherhood without having it condensed and you not getting the full experience and you know the full emotional value of what's going on yeah that way you get to kind of bond with the characters and you're like okay now i get it and then you watch full metal brotherhood and you're like all right I yeah. am sad. <laughs> yeah, and that way by the time you get to Full Metal Brotherhood, you're like, alright, I already know all this information. It's still sad, but we've already experienced this information before, so I can move past it quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, that way you can keep pace with the Brotherhood edition. Because once you've experienced all the stuff that's happened in Full Metal Alchemist, you don't want to experience it at that length again. And I think that's why they were aiming for that. Yeah, which, I mean, if they did it so soon after they did Full Metal, I understand why they did that. I guess it's just for, like, future people, I guess, that watch it, you know? Yeah. It's just a little bit confusing. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Alright, well, I feel like that wraps up this episode. We went right past the one-hour mark. I know, I noticed that, but I mean, we did a lot of information, and I think, you know, it was pretty enjoyable. (laughs) Hope everybody's not, like, asleep. (laughs) Oh, well, we did warn them earlier in the episode, when we were like, geez, it's already 20 minutes in, and we haven't even gotten to the discussion portion. (laughs) I know, it's like, alright guys, buckle in, (laughs) we're in for the long haul. Exactly. Well, we'll try not to have so many one-hour episodes in the future, but we'll try and warn you early on when we feel like this might be a long episode. Yeah, especially when we're talking about something that we both enjoy a lot in this episode. Oh, yeah. We knew that it was going to last a while. Yeah. Well, this has been a lack of certainty. You can find us on Tumblr. That's where all of our, like we said earlier, all of the articles we talk about, all the shows, the books, the movies that we talk about, we'll post about it there. Uh, any articles that we mention, uh, the gaming and tech, and also the science news will be posted there as well. Uh, you know, the show will be posted there. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Uh, YouTube might still be a little bit slow, um, because, you know, like I said in the last episode, uh, the first episode was edited by my boyfriend to be able to put on YouTube, and I forgot to get the program from him to edit it into a video format. So Shame. It might take a while for us to get back on YouTube, but you can find us on all of these sources at a lack of certainty. That's exactly how it's spelled here. A lack of certainty. So... Uh, you can also email us any suggestions, comments, questions, just want to say hi, uh, you know, want to teach us how to work computers better than we already do, um, <laughs> you can find us at a lack of certainty at gmail.com. That's the name of this podcast with Gmail slapped on the end of it. All lowercase as well. Exactly. Uh, this has been a lack of certainty. It's been fun talking with you. It's been fun talking with all you guys. Hope you enjoyed some of our favorite things. <laughs> yeah. And happy April Fool April Fool's Day from a prank free episode. You should thank us. Right. I mean we were really nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not gonna prank you here. But it's been nice it's been nice hanging out with you guys, so guess this is bye. Bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>